0: I have someone who's not really, they, they're not doing anything in terms of lifestyle, they're trying to get started, they're accumulating knowledge, like you mentioned, the first thing I always recommend is exercise, Yeah, um, because exercise is a simpler habit to start than nutrition changes. Nutrition changes are complicated. You're going to have to do some trial and error. There's some considerations around like calorie needs and protein needs. And there's a lot of stuff to figure out with nutrition that can make it a little bit overwhelming at the beginning and can make it more likely that you're not going to continue with it. And then also with nutrition, there's not a reward at the beginning oftentimes. So let's say you start eating healthier. You go from highly pleasurable foods to less pleasurable foods, and there's no reinforcement. There's no positive reinforcement of that habit. So, I'm a big fan of always starting with exercise when someone, um, when I work with someone who's not currently exercising. And the reason being is it's one simple habit that's really easy to take up. All right,
1: guys, welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Joey Munoz Show. Today, I have the honor of having my good friend, Dr. Adrian Chavez on the show. He, I'm sure most of you guys probably know Adrian. He has his background in nutrition as well. He has his PhD in nutritional sciences. So him and I have a very similar educational background. I see him as like my mentor though, because he's been doing this for a little bit longer than I have. And I really appreciate him for all the help that he's given me. So I have the honor of having him here today. His focus really comes down to chronic disease prevention, helping people develop healthy habits, healthy lifestyle, which is pretty much what we're going to be talking about here today. He has several years, uh, almost a decade of experience working with clients, helping individuals lose weight, improve their body composition, and improve their overall health. Adrian, thank you for being here today, my man. How are you doing? Thanks for having me, man. I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me on the show. Awesome, dude. So, You are the first guest on this podcast, so you should feel absolutely honored. (laughs) It's an honor, man. Yeah. Anyways, let's go ahead and get started, man. I really want to talk about, I want to make this a very practical episode and discuss how people can get started, right? I think that's one of the things that people really struggle with. I feel like most people already consume some sort of content online, probably have some general knowledge of They need to eat healthy to be healthier, right? But they don't necessarily know what that means or how to implement things. So from your perspective, if you were working with somebody who is a complete beginner to this stuff, really just starting to focus on their health, perhaps has some basic knowledge of nutrition, they know fruits and vegetables are healthy, but they don't really know where to start. What are some of the things that people can do immediately to start improving their health and work on improving their overall body composition?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So honestly, um, and you and I both are, you know, our backgrounds in nutrition, but I think you and I would probably both agree on this. My, when I have, if I have someone who's not really, they, they're not doing anything in terms of lifestyle, they're trying to get started, they're accumulating knowledge. Like you mentioned, the first thing I always recommend is exercise Yeah, um, because exercise is a simpler habit to start than nutrition changes. Nutrition changes are complicated. You're going to have to do some trial and error There's some considerations around like calorie needs and protein needs. And there's a lot of stuff to figure out with nutrition that can make it a little bit overwhelming at the beginning and can make it more likely that you're not going to continue with it. And then also with nutrition, there's not a reward at the beginning oftentimes. So let's say you start eating healthier, you go from highly pleasurable foods to Less pleasurable foods, and there's no reinforcement, there's no positive reinforcement of that habit. So, I'm a big fan of always starting with exercise when someone, um, when I work with someone who's not currently exercising. And the reason being is it's one simple habit that's really easy to take up, you don't have to do anything too fancy. Of course, ideally, we want people to get into a routine where they're doing some cardio, doing some resistance training, and they have a good program put together. But the reality is. You just go out and walk for a little bit or go out for a little jog and anything is going to be better than nothing. If you're going from zero to 15 minutes or 20 minutes of like a power walk every day, the health benefits of just that little amount of effort is going to be pretty significant. And when we compare the like reduction in risk for chronic disease and in like overall lifespan and longevity, when we compare the data from like all of the nutritional changes combined that you could make that would be quote unquote healthy nutritional changes. If we compare that to exercise, exercise is just as important. Like if you exercise, you know, most days of the week for at least 30 minutes versus all of the nutritional changes you could possibly make to like, quote unquote, optimize your nutrition exercise is probably just as effective in terms of chronic disease risk reduction and all of that. So, um, In my opinion, that's where everyone should start. And then the other side of it, it goes back to the reinforcement as we were discussing. Uh, Nutrition's not gonna have a reinforcement. Like you're gonna go from pleasurable foods to less pleasurable foods. When you exercise, you feel good. Your body releases endorphins, there's a dopamine response. So there's many positive attributes to where exercise will kind of help you continue the habit. There's a positive reinforcement with it. You get going, you can start small, you can make it super simple to get started. And so from a like, if there's one thing that you can do, that's typically where I start is like, hey, let's focus on getting consistent with exercise and then we can work on some other things from there. I think that it depends on the person, depends on you know what you have going on. Let's say, for example, you're a new parent and you're you, you have a demanding job and things like that you probably just want to focus on like one little thing and really focus on getting consistent with that. Um, you know, there's other people who have more motivation, more time, more bandwidth to devote to this. And maybe they want to take on, you know, multiple different habits at once and try to put in a really solid routine and try to completely transform their nutrition. But the reality is most people we think that's the way to do it. And so like we, we approach it and we're like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to, exercise and I'm going to eat perfectly. And most of the time when people take that approach, it's, you know, a couple of days and then you fall off and then a couple of days and you fall off. So um, it really, it's really important to kind of look at your own lifestyle and be realistic about what it is that's yeah. reasonable for you. Because like you said, if you're just getting started, the key is to stick with it. Like at yeah. the end of the day, the key is to stick with it. So if you're doing things that are causing you to start and stop and start and stop, you're never going to get anywhere. But if you're starting smaller, you're able to build up some momentum, you get a a couple days of exercise in a row together. And then, you know, you do that for a week and you feel good about yourself and you start developing what's called self-efficacy where you're like, okay, I said I was going to do something and I actually did it. So now you're gaining some confidence in yourself and then you can start to work on adding new habits. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of that approach that many people take where they're just trying to change everything at once. And I feel like most people tend to take that approach. And I think that approach is, can be useful if you're working with a coach and you got a lot of support around yeah. you and you have a strategy and you got someone to hold you accountable and you have some support, but most people are trying to do things on their own. And most people listen to this or thinking, okay, what are the, you know, what are some things that I can do? And my recommendation there is definitely exercise.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you. I think if you're going to start somewhere, if you're going to pick something if it's one or the other, I think most people should probably start with some sort of physical activity, right? And I I like to use the word physical activity there because people tend to think of exercises like having to bust their ass, right? And yeah, high intensity exercise is great. But like Adrian mentioned, starting with something is better than nothing. So I'd love to pick your brain on this. What are some actionable steps or what would be a starting recommendation for somebody? who let's say works 40 to 50 hours a week, they're uh, they're a full-time parent, you know, they're busy. What's something that they can implement that's super easy right away? I know you mentioned walking, right? So this is probably going to be something associated with walking, but what are some objective targets to work towards and how can people hold themselves accountable?
0: Yeah, I would, I definitely think that putting a time, like when you mentioned walking, like 20 minutes a day or 30 minutes a day, and it doesn't have to be all at once. um, And then- Uh, In terms of accountability, I'm a big fan of having some type of tracking. The evidence shows that um, it's probably one of the most important things for long-term behavior change is tracking Mm -hmm. metrics in some way. So if your goal is to, you know, get those 30 minutes per day, then maybe having some type of checklist where you can see it at your desk, for example, and you say, check mark, did I get my 30 minutes today? X, did I not? And that will help you to hold yourself accountable and it'll keep it on your mind because when you're building a new habit, the amount of effort that has to go into it is significantly more. So you want to set up your environment and set up everything, you know, stack the cards in your favor. So if you put, let's say, a card on your desk, like for example, right here, I have a screen that I put like for me, I put my sticky, I put sticky notes there to remind me of things that I that I need to like I want to be paying attention to. So if you put here, you taped like an index card or something that said you know, exercise or walking 30 minutes per day. And then you had every single day of the week and you just check or X whether or not you did it. And it's not something that, Oh, X, I failed, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, this is the worst day ever. Uh, the reality is that you're not going to be hundred percent right off the bat. Um, And, you know, you may be and, and and that's great, but if, but most people aren't, but if you go from zero to three, the next week, that's a massive improvement. And as I mentioned earlier, the majority of the health benefits with exercise go from doing zero to a little bit. Like if we look at the curve in terms of the health effects of exercise, the benefits are substantial early on. And then after you get to like 150 minutes per week, it's like, there's very little benefit of additional exercise. So most people, I love the terminology that you use with physical activity. Most people Think of exercise as something that has to be overwhelming, that that you're going to be going to the gym and lifting heavy weight and you got to be intense with everything. Or we think of these models of people who exercise, but the reality is just it's activity, it's movement. It doesn't have to be that type of training. It doesn't have to even be going to the gym. It doesn't have to ever be running. It doesn't have to be anything that looks like any of that stuff just moving is, is yeah. really the important piece. Our bodies are not meant to be sedentary all the time and our lifestyles have taken away the necessity of us having to move to procure food or to do our laundry or to get from place to place. Like we don't have to move to do things anymore like we used yeah. to. Um, And so we have to be intentional about replacing that in some way because we're not going to like I mean, some of us can, but like most of us are going, our lives are going to be generally sedentary. We're going to be in front of a computer. We're going to be behind a car driving. And so really understanding that's how our lives now have changed. We really need to give our bodies what they need in terms of movement and your body, you'll feel better. Like I I love it, like. It happens quickly. Like if you, if you start exercising regularly and it's not overwhelming and you're doing it and you're like getting it done and you feel positive about that, like a couple of weeks and typically people will start to feel better. And that's why I think exercise is so important because it can also like you start to feel better and you're like, oh, maybe I should start eating better. And it's, it tends to help
1: like create a snowball effect of, of positive habits. You start, you start stacking wins essentially, right? I think you brought up some really interesting stuff here. First and foremost, you know, talking about just moving more is so important, right? I can't remember the particular reference off the top of my head, but I know I made this post once discussing whether or not like your metabolic rate is the main contributing factor as to why people are overweight or obese, right? And this particular study was really interesting. They took women and they matched them for lean body mass. And they compared the resting metabolic rate between lean women and obese women matching for lean body mass. Right? So the reason why they match for lean body mass is because your muscle mass is a big contributor of your metabolic rate, right? Of your. Basal metabolism, essentially. And what they saw was that there was no difference in the metabolic rate between these two groups of women. And then you start to ask yourself, why are some women overweight and others aren't? And what they noticed was that the leaner women had significantly higher energy expenditure. Well, where, is, where was that coming from? The leaner women stood twice as long as the women who are overweight or obese. They essentially sat twice as long as the leaner women. And the leaner women tended to walk almost twice as much as well, right? So it's just moving your body, super simple stuff. And if you haven't focused on this yet, like Adrian mentioned, making it visible, having a checklist is super helpful. As much as we make fun of like activity trackers, an Apple watch, if you set an activity goal, it'll literally give you a notification saying, Hey, go walk. Could be super helpful to start. I really like having a step goal. Your phone tracks your steps for you. And I really do think that when you start, it's about feeling good and stacking wins, because when you feel good about what you're doing, you're more likely to do it over and over again. I know you and I talked about this a while ago, but something I like to give as a recommendation for people who like don't do anything and they're just starting off is to set a daily minimum, right? What's Mm -hmm. a non-negotiable? For some people, it's literally just putting on their shoes and just going outside, not even having a step goal like that in itself is the minimum that they can commit to. Right. So if you're listening to this right now and you're just starting to focus on these things, really want to improve your health, really want to reduce your risk of developing diseases. Really have a deep conversation with yourself and ask yourself, what are things that I can set as goals that are non-negotiables that are really easy to achieve? Literally, it could be putting on your shoes and getting outside. Typically, what will happen is if you go through the trouble of putting on your shoes and going outside, you're probably going to walk a little bit, right? And even doing that behavior makes you feel like you are winning because you are doing more than what you actually set out to do. And the goal is, as you start to stack these wins, you slowly increase the intensity of them, right? You don't have to go from zero to 100 hundred one day to the next. Is that what's that? That's a Drake song, right? Zero to hundred. But just start with a little bit and slowly build from there. To share a quick story that perfectly highlights this. And it's sad because I, I have family members that have that zero to hundred mentality and they never make change. Right. I have an uncle who is very overweight drinks every day. Uh, and his job is pretty physically active, but he doesn't eat well. So he's very overweight and he's attempted to lose weight. I can't tell you how many times, and he's pretty successful with it. He always loses 40, 50 pounds, like a lot of weight. And then just like regains it right back because he is so extreme in his attempt for weight loss. We actually had a conversation recently and he was like, all right, Joey, I'm gonna lose weight. I'm like, all right, that's great. What are you gonna do? And he goes, I'm not going to uh, drink at all. Keep in mind, he drinks every day. I'm not gonna drink at all. I'm gonna cut out all of like these processed foods. And he was going to do Orange Theory twice a day, six times a week. I'm not exaggerating. This was his plan, right? This was his plan. <laughs> And I was talking to him and I said, well, all right, how long are you going to do that for? And then what are you going to do after? And he's like, well, I'm going to do Orange Theory for a couple months. And then when I lose weight, I'm going to stop doing it. That was literally the answer he gave me on the phone. And so I was like, man, how about you just start with like three times a week, one time? Like, what is the amount that you can keep doing forever, right? And that type of mind shift is not as sexy, but it's absolutely mandatory if you want to actually achieve changes and maintain them long term. Right. So how about, I know you have a obviously pretty sedentary job the same way I do, right? We kind of sit at our computer all day and you and I have the luxury that we work from home. I get that. Some people don't have that luxury, but how do you implement intentional physical activity into your day outside of like your actual workouts? Cause I know you go work out in the morning and all that stuff. How do you plan it around your day? Just so people get an idea of what this stuff looks like. So I need to do, I need to be a lot better about this Uh, (laughs) way too much sitting during the day. But the thing I do the
0: most where I get the most physical activities, I just do activities with my son. So for the most part during the day, I'm like almost completely sedentary after I I, I wake up, I work out and then I'm mostly sedentary throughout the day. I really like, this is something that I probably need to work on myself is just get up, go for a little 10 minute walk or something like that. The weather was has been not too good around here, but it's getting a little better now. So um, that's something that I definitely need to improve. But for me, I definitely focus on trying to mix that physical activity with parenting. So I'm a single dad, I have full custody of my son, he's with me all the time. And it's also teaching him a habit. So mm-hmm. this is something that a lot of people don't realize, like that amount of me taking I, I we have a park down the street, I walk with him to the park, We'll play a little bit. We'll, you know, I'll watch them I'll get up and walk around with them. I'm not usually not just like sitting on the bench on my phone. And another important thing as a parent, like take these opportunities as a parent to get physical activity with your kids on the weekends. A lot of times I'm doing some work on the weekends and stuff like that, but I always build in like several hours for some type of activity. And when we do things, it's almost always going to be something that's active. It's you know, I don't I take he likes to go to the movies and stuff, so I'll take him occasionally. But like, That's not ever something that I'm going to propose to him like this weekend. We're going to go to Six Flags like the amount of calories that you burn at Six Flags like is is, people would be shocked if they could see like the reality of the difference between sitting on the couch watching football Sunday or going to the zoo or going to a museum. Or going to a park and not even like exercising or anything like that, the difference is four or five hundred calories, like in in not even doing anything intense. So I try to really build that in into my parenting. So we have various memberships, like we have six flags, we have trampoline park. And when you get memberships to these things, if you live in an area where you have access to this stuff, like they're not that expensive. Like I pay twenty bucks a month for a trampoline park. I take them a couple day couple days a month. And he jumps for two hours. Sometimes I work. Sometimes I'll jump as well. And the amount of physical activity, like when I jump, it—if I turn on my watch, if I, if I like jump with them for four hours, like five hundred calories. Yeah, and cool. and I'm not like training or anything like that. It's just physical activity. It's just like what you said. Like movement is so important, and we tend to discount movement that is not exercise, but all movement counts in terms of benefiting our health. And we really need to figure out ways to build in more movement in our life. Like, I think most people have that that's, that's one of the biggest emphasis I have with people who struggle. Like they're like, I hit a plateau you know, I'm trying to eat in a calorie deficit. I'm exercising, but I've been stuck on this plateau for a while, and that's usually the first place I look because when we and there, there was actually a study I, forget, I think it was published in like 2010 or 11, where they looked at the differences between individuals who lose weight and those who don't on a low calorie diet, and the neat the non exercise activity, basically all the movement they were doing. That was the difference, like what that drove the entire difference between those who lost weight on a lower calorie, like or the differences in in their weight loss. So like some people lost more weight, some people lost less weight. The people who lost more weight, they lost more weight because they move more. And it's not even like getting up and, and doing intentional movement. It's movement that's mostly subconscious. It's just like getting up and walking to the water cooler, getting up and walking to the restroom, those type of very simple things, even going to the grocery store. So I know a lot of people and I I mean, I'm a big fan of like, I think there's some value to like ordering online because you can stick to a list and things like that. But if you go to the grocery store, especially if you go to the type of grocery stores they have where I live in Texas, where it's like freaking massive and I got to walk like probably a mile going through the grocery store like that's movement and you're pushing a basket. So there's a little bit of resistance there as well. Like we have to really be better about seeing all these little opportunities to get movement as opposed to trying to like you know, force ourselves to to exercise or force ourselves to go for like an arbitrary walk. I think that there's a lot of value in building movement into your
1: overall lifestyle. Yeah, dude, I you mentioned some really cool stuff there. So it's awesome that you include your movement in with your son, right? And like my baby's only eight months old, but we take him to the gym and stuff like that, trying to have him see us through so that. Cool. Yeah, it, we're lucky our gym lets us bring him it's... there. It's cool for sure. But you know what you were mentioning about non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So for you guys that are listening, the term NEAT, N-E-A-T, just stands for the amount of movement that you get not through intentional physical activity, right? And like one of the issues when people just focus on their diet and they don't focus on exercise is that there's really good evidence that when you eat less, you inherently move less, right? And this isn't intentional, but like, you know, me sitting here recording this podcast right now, I'm like fidgeting my hands a lot. I'm fidgeting my feet. Maybe if I was on a low calorie diet, I'd be fidgeting less. Fidgeting is movement. It burns calories, right? That's a very shitty example, but maybe I don't stand as much inherently. Maybe I sit more, right? And so you have to be intentional about your physical activity because it's common when people are like, I'm eating less calories and I'm not losing weight. What's happening? It's like, well, your energy expenditure is likely reducing because you aren't really intentionally focusing on the physical activity components. I want to share a couple of things that I do in my day because it's a little bit different than what you do in terms of like getting activity throughout my day, that's really simple. So I actually schedule my stuff pretty, not rigorously, but it's just what I do, right? So first thing in the morning, my dog has to go outside. So I just walk for 15 minutes. That's the first thing I do every day. And I drink my water and that's a nice little way to start the day. And then any break that I take from work, I usually just take a 10 minute walk. It's nice. Like most people take a break and maybe go on YouTube. How about you just put YouTube on your headphones if you want something to watch and just go outside for 10 minutes, right? So I do schedule these like 10 minute walks, usually after my meals and stuff. And then one thing that I do a ton, and this sounds funny, but it's a way to get a lot of movement in is I have consults with clients, right? I might hop on the phone for 30 minutes or even an hour. Sometimes I'm in my kitchen right now recording. This is my walking ground. Like I just walk, I'm sitting at an Island right now. I just walk around this nonstop for 30 minutes when I'm on the phone and it sounds stupid, but That's like a thousand, 2,000 steps sometimes, literally just walking in circles while I'm on the phone. So, you know, a lot of people are on their phone a lot for work, meetings, et cetera. Use meetings as opportunities to walk, you know, and then in terms of like including walking in your day-to-day life, just be creative. What I try to tell my clients is audit your schedule, audit your day and see where you could just move a little bit more. What do I mean by be creative? Well, for me, I'm lucky enough that the grocery store is a 10 minute walk. I walk to the grocery store right? I never order groceries because I just sit all day too. So I walk there. If you drive to work, park a little bit further, don't take the elevator or the escalator, take the stairs. It's really simple stuff. And the goal is to start with this stuff. And then obviously, eventually, if you care about having like a lean muscular physique or whatnot, if you have aesthetic goals, the goal is to get to a point where you're lifting really intensely and all that stuff, but you don't have to start there. I think with resistance training. And Adrian and I made a whole podcast on resistance training. Check it out on his podcast. The link will be in the description and he'll share the title at the end of this episode. But you know, you could also start with resistance training because I do think that the end goal is to lift some weights because lifting weights has very unique benefits for your health. But again, that doesn't have to be hard either. Anyways, let's go ahead and move the conversation forward a little bit. Let's say somebody... Um, has taken these recommendations into account. They're really intentionally focusing on physical activity. They've been moving more. Maybe they're going to the gym twice a week. They have a pretty good base in terms of physical activity, right? What would be the next step? What would be some immediate nutritional things that they could focus on that would be the biggest bang for their buck, right? And let's say this is somebody who knows that calories matter, but they're overweight. They don't really want to track calories. What are some things that they could start to implement right away? Yeah, one of the first
0: things I typically recommend to people is get on an eating schedule. It's it sounds really silly, like it doesn't sound like there's actually a benefit to that. But the truth is that what most people are doing is they're not eating, they're not planning out their meals, so they're having like whatever for breakfast, they have whatever for lunch, and in in most cases of people that I work with, they undereat for breakfast, they undereat and throw whatever they can together for lunch, and then they're starving by the time they get off work or by afternoon time so they eat a whole nother meals worth of snacks that are not nutritious that are just like convenience foods before dinner or after dinner and that's where the caloric surplus comes in so when i say get onto a schedule i mean eat three you know if that works for you if you want to do two that's fine if you want to do four that's fine but eat A certain number of meals, and my recommendation is typically three because that works for most people, and just stick to three balanced meals per day and plan those out. What are you going to eat for breakfast? What are you going to eat for lunch? And plan it out ahead of time. And so when you plan it out, when you have a plan, either you meal prepped or you know where you're going to get your food from, or it's a 10 minute, you work from home and it's just 10 minutes to put together and the food's there just have a plan stick to a schedule because what that's going to do is when you plan ahead you're going to make healthier choices ahead of time when you plan when you're trying to make a choice when you're hungry and you haven't made a plan and you don't you're hungry and you don't feel like making anything at that point in time the choices are just going to be um you know you're not going to make as good of choices so planning ahead sticking to a schedule making sure like for example i say three meals making sure that each of your meals has a sufficient amount of protein. And so depending on your energy needs, that's going to be different. You know, you can eyeball it and that type of thing. Like if you're on the lower end of calories, you know, something like a deck of card size protein, like four ounces, and it may be bigger than that. So there's, I in my course, like I have a fundamentals of fat loss course. I give like specific guidance on how to like eyeball portions and things like that. That, that gets a little, uh, into a little bit more detail, but I would recommend just make sure like so you have three meals a day, Every meal has a serving of vegetables. Every meal has protein. And if you include those in each meal, it's kind of hard to overeat. Like if you're eating, if you're eating sufficient amounts of protein and vegetables, and let's say, you know, a quarter of your plates filled up or a third of your plates filled up with protein, a third of your plates filled up with vegetables, you almost can't overeat. Like you're going to be full by the time you're getting to your energy needs for most people it depends on what else you put in there i mean if you pour some butter on top of, yeah, of course yeah, yeah. like you can increase the energy density of the meal but if you had like you know and, and this is kind of the template that I, I typically recommend for people is like a third vegetables a third some type of carbohydrates and a third of your plate with protein and if you're kind of following that like that type of template and you're doing that three times per day you're going to make healthier choices and you're likely going to be putting yourself into a bit of a deficit if you're overweight. And I'm a big, so I know you mentioned not tracking calories, but I'm a big fan of doing it for a period of time, not as something that you have to forever or something that you're sticking to, but the learning that comes from that because understanding your energy needs and understanding your energy intake, which is what tracking calories does. So you can calculate your energy needs and then get an idea of your energy intake to calibrate and make sure that these things are in line with one another so that you're moving towards your goals. And that doesn't have to, that doesn't require tracking forever. It really just takes a couple of weeks of like kind of learning, okay. I had this meal and that, but I had two tablespoons of butter with it, and that caused it to be you know eight hundred and fifty calories, so maybe yeah. I should back off the butter. It just helps you make these small tweaks to what you're doing already because most people don't need to overhaul their diet. Like most people I work with, like the amount of changes that I'm recommending for them are minimal. Like I asked for like intake form and you know what are the things you enjoy? What are you currently eating? Can you give me an idea of like what your current like what a day in your your current like lifestyle looks like, your typical lunches, things like that. And normally it's like, okay, you just need to eat a bigger lunch, add a little bit more protein here and there, yeah. cut out some of these snacks and you're good. Like most people, if you're thinking about it, you're already probably making decent decisions yeah. here and there. It's just a matter of getting into a plan, kind of planning ahead with things and really starting to incorporate protein and fiber and really sticking to like more of a schedule in in like a have this conversation with like coaches and stuff like newer coaches like don't don't tell like don't give someone what to eat like oh you should be eating this take what they're doing and modify it to yes. where what they're currently doing will help move them towards their goals and like i said in most cases it's just cutting out a little bit of the snacking at you know substituting some of the carbohydrate sources or things like that it's just it's usually really simple stuff and it's for most people it's typically a couple of low-hanging fruit and for most people you know what your issue is like almost everyone that I work with I talked about this earlier like they have their issue is almost always I binge before dinner or I binge yeah. after dinner <laughs> and that's o- almost always due to eating a light lunch or or skipping yeah. lunch or just snacking through lunch and then also having like a protein bar and coffee for breakfast like and yeah
1: you're going to you're going to
0: binge in the afternoon like you're under eating yeah. all day
1: yeah i think what you mentioned if you get the exercise component down and you're moving your body sufficiently and you have a regular meal schedule and each of those meals has sufficient protein and veggies if you're overweight you'll likely lose weight just doing that yep like like you mentioned, it's really hard to overeat when you're mainly consuming whole nutritious foods because they just fill you up quick. It's nothing magical about the foods, right? They just fill you up quick and like they're not super delicious. And I say that with an asterisk because things can taste really, really good, but they're not, like processed foods can even not taste as good, but you just like want them more, right? It's like, they're really easy to overeat. I'm trying to think of what the word is, the correct word is for that, but I can't think of it. A little bit yes yes palatable highly palatable yeah it it doesn't even like cheetos for example like that's exactly
0: good. what i had in my mind they, when you they, said they that.
1: taste good right they taste good but they're not they don't taste as good as like a really well-cooked piece of chicken with a delicious salad like in my opinion that stuff tastes way better it's just not as palatable like it's just easy to stuff your face with a whole bag of cheetos and just keep going you know and it's because those foods are engineered for that um it- I think that's
0: super important to discuss. And I don't like to demonize processed foods. Anyone who follows me knows this. I don't yeah. do that at all. But these foods are engineered for that. Like yeah. they, the, you, the Cheeto, the Frito Lake company spent a million dollars trying to figure yes. out how to get us to want to eat more of them. And yeah. so. It 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 does a really good job of that, and you know it, when we do eat it, it makes us want to eat more, and it's highly palatable. Like you said, it, it, the mouth feel is good, and the crunch yeah, feels yeah. satisfying. Like they figured out every way yeah. to make these foods incredibly satisfying for us. And for many people, if you're going from really high processed food diet to trying to eat more whole foods, it's really difficult to get enjoyment out of the whole foods because. The flavor profiles are so much different. They're so much less intense. The texture profiles aren't built to for satisfaction in that way because there wasn't, you know, the the broccoli industry isn't trying to like sell us a bunch of broccoli, you know. And and so it's so important to understand that and understand that your control around some of these things. It, it's probably going to be lower um, yeah. because of the fact that these companies, like they got it down to a science. They figured out how to get us addicted, quote unquote. And yeah. we're not like really addicted, but how to make these foods so satisfying that we want to keep eating them.
1: And they brag about it. <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's funny because, yeah, people don't understand that like food science, food engineering is a whole other field of food that companies spend millions of dollars right like trying to engineer these foods so that they sell their product it's not like a malicious attempt to get you addicted to these foods and people like to blame it on sugar or whatever and it's none of that right like you have to think of this imagine yourself as a business owner you're going to sell potato chips well if you could sell the most irresistible potato chips you're going to make more money than your competition right so people spend money and they think of every aspect here the color of the food the crunch or the texture of the food the flavor which is a combination of sugar, fat and salt, usually additive added flavors as well, right? It comes down to the smell of the food. It's like mouthfeel, like you mentioned, right? It's all of these different variables, engineered to perfection, almost, right? So yeah, it's no wonder that these foods are are way tastier and hard to put harder to put down than whole foods. And it's it's like that for everybody. It's (laughs) not like it's easier for me and Adrian, because we're nutrition professionals, like, I purposefully keep some stuff out of the house, because I do have self control, but it's so easy to go over overboard because it's just so tasty, right?
0: Yeah, it reminds me. So there's a show I forget what it's called, but in the show, it's a cooking show.
1: Salt, fat, it, acid, heat. I think that's what you're talking about. Is on that Netflix. well?
0: No, in this one, I, I think this might be different. So in this one, they're trying to recreate. Uh, oh these, yeah, yeah, these
1: foods. So
0: in one of them, I saw them try to like recreate. I think it was Cheetos, and and hearing chefs talk about it. Really brought a whole new perspective to these foods because they, the chefs are like they truly like put together like this perfect combination of flavors that we can't replicate. And I'm like, man, they had you know they had chefs and food scientists and and just a whole team of people figuring out how to make these like the most palatable foods in the world. And that's what's happened. It's not malicious, like you mentioned. It's truly like capitalism. Yeah, like business. that's all it is. Yeah. At the end of the day, like we. A lot of people demonize them and say these processed food companies are trying to harm us, and you know they're so evil and they're putting things in our food that are trying to kill us.
1: It's they're just
0: trying to sell products. Yeah, that's it. Like if their customers died, they would lose out <laughs> financially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's no incentive for that whatsoever. They're just trying to sell products in, um, you know. That, that's Again. it's just capitalism. You know, we, we yeah. live in a society where we have free choice and capitalism and, you know, kind of drives our society. So these things are going to happen and we yeah. have to arm ourselves and the best we can to not necessarily like fully eliminate these foods from our diet. That's not really necessary. You know, you can include these foods in, in the context of a nutritious diet that provides all of your needs and provides the appropriate amount of energy and nutrition, but you have to just understand yeah. where they fit and understand your own tendencies yeah. of overeating and being able to control these things. Like I don't eat chips unless I'm eating them with cottage cheese. And <laughs> that's one of my little like rules. Cause it'll fill me up. Yeah, if yeah, I just yeah, sit there yeah. and eat chips, I'm going to, I'm I'll sit there and eat them all day and I won't yeah, get yeah, full. Yeah, yeah. So like, I like, like I'll, I'll do like barbecue chips, like big barbecue chips with cottage cheese. And that's a nice little snack for me. And so I include these things but I try to be strategic about the way that I include them so that I'm pairing them with other foods that are going to be more filling and more nutritious so that it I don't have cuz if I just sit at my desk and I have a bag of chips next to me I'm going to overeat that like period yeah. I'm going to eat yeah. 450 calories of chips and then I'm going to feel like kind of nauseous, but still hungry. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, yeah, just yeah. The whole barrage of things that you don't want to be experiencing after a meal. But if I have those same chips with cottage cheese and that cottage cheese is bringing me 20, 20 grams of protein in like a three quarters of a cup of cottage cheese and you portion it out beforehand, you know, I'm going to be full and satisfied off that as opposed to not satisfied, not full whatsoever. Yeah. And, and having just ate like a full meals worth of
1: calories and yeah you know, in one sitting. Yeah, dude, it's all about setting up your environment for success so you don't have to try harder, right? You should actually make it easier on yourself and that's what sets you up for success. So going back to what you were saying with scheduling, I want to talk about this because I want people essentially to listen to this episode and this be like a checklist of like, I do this, 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 right? I think what you just mentioned though, in terms of like when you have snacks and this is something I talk about to my clients too, is like if you're going to have something that is quote unquote shitty, add something that's quote unquote good. Right. And that just balances it out nicely. Like if you're going to have some chips, maybe have something that has protein with that. So you don't necessarily have to cut out the chips, but you modify your eating behavior. So you likely reduce the amount of chips that you're eating. You're still enjoying it. And you're actually adding something that's beneficial and it's going to help keep you full. Right. But going back to the scheduling thing, this is really interesting because when I was putting together a little lecture on satiety regulation, like we were talking about, one of the things that seems to be very beneficial in the data for weight loss maintenance is meal regularity. And Mm -hmm. that regularity has two different aspects to it. One was meal timing regularity. So having breakfast, lunch, and dinner, however many meals you have per day, like on a regular schedule, overall, like same times, right? And it's not that that has a magical effect. It's that you can prepare for that and then you get into a regular schedule and then you're more likely to succeed because you have regularity, right? Just like your work schedule, it's regular. Like Anything that you can implement regularly, you're gonna have more success adhering to it. The second aspect of regularity was meal size regularity, which I thought was really interesting, but it makes sense. And it's like if you're having a breakfast, lunch, and dinner, it's not that all three of those meals are the same size, but it's that your breakfasts are typically the same size in terms of caloric intake. Your lunch is about the same. And that just, again, reinforces this idea of regularity, right? Like. You don't want to have a Snickers bar for lunch today and a nice, well-balanced lunch tomorrow and the day after going to a buffet and stuffing your face. That is not regular. That is irregular, right? Having regular-sized meals at regular times is really beneficial. And if we're going to go a little bit more specific on this, Adrian, I think you could probably agree to this. I really do think breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Like, personally, I think people should start the day with a pretty well-balanced meal, right? It, like, gives you a small win in the morning. And the data do show that people who tend to consume a bigger breakfast have better hunger and satiety regulation throughout the day. And this makes perfect sense. Think of this, guys. Anytime you have a big meal, it keeps you full for a couple of hours, right? So if you have a big meal first thing in the day, it's going to keep you typically fullest for like your busiest part of the day, right? Everybody's like morning, mid-afternoon is like the busiest part of the day typically. Whereas if you have your biggest meal for dinner, Like, yes, it's still going to keep you full for a couple hours after that, but you're likely going to sleep. You don't need to be super full. Like after dinner, you're likely chilling on the couch. You're not doing much the rest of the day. So strategically, I do think it makes sense to have that bigger meal earlier in the day. Right. So far, we've identified small exercise behaviors. I would definitely agree that you should prioritize exercise first. Do something that is non-negotiable, sustainable, build on it over time. When you look at the nutrition side of things, I think you hit it right on the head with saying have a regular meal schedule because that snowballs into everything else right because then if you don't have a regular meal schedule good luck having sufficient protein and veggies on your plate it's not going to happen because you can't plan ahead of time so start with a regular meal schedule if if we're going to talk about particular meals the template that adrian shared is perfect you know serving of protein serving of veggie veggies and then whatever carbohydrates you want and that serving, you know, it could literally just be like a fistful, a fistful of protein, maybe a handful of vegetables, and then your carbohydrates. And that's a pretty well-balanced diet, right? And another I think, thing I want to mention, because yeah. a lot of people think, oh,
0: well, that means that your plate has to look like that. Yeah. Not necessarily. So, yeah. So like, for example, if I make spaghetti, well, that just means if I'm mixing everything together, like the protein, the veggies, and putting it all into one pot yeah. – that just means that the proportions have are different, be, yeah. And what a lot of people do, like with spaghetti, people are going to be like eighty percent carbs typically. Yeah. Whereas, like, it's just the proportions are different. So it, it could be all be mixed together in your plate, but instead of when you look at your plate, it's all pasta. You see a whole bunch of veggies and a whole bunch of protein in there as well. um And so, it, same thing with like, for example, tacos. Like your tacos, your carbohydrates or your tortillas. Let's say you have some corn tortillas. Your protein is whatever type of filling, you know, whatever type of meat you're putting in, or if you want to do beans, if you're vegetarian, and then your veggies, you know, salsa or cilantro or onions or whatever you want to put on top of there. And that's following the same template still, but it doesn't necessarily look like that. So I I think that that's one thing because a a lot of people think, oh, so all of my meals have to look like this and they get into this rigid idea and it's really like you can adapt pretty much all meals to to fit this template and it may not like visually look like that on your plate but you're still understanding like half your meals one third of your meals protein one third vegetables and comes down to like overall dietary pattern like i talked about earlier it's like really adapting the meals that you're already making like let's say for example you're making what you think is unhealthy food you don't have to completely overhaul it add some protein add some veggies And your meal is going to be more nutritious and it's going to be more filling and you're probably going to eat
1: less because you're having more protein and veggies. So you're going to eat less calories. Yeah. So, yeah, I was actually going to touch on that. I was going to say, I think the template that you provide actually allows for a lot of flexibility. Right. I think the issue when people talk about eat these specific foods is that it's actually very rigid, Mm
0: -hmm. whereas
1: saying your plate should generally look like this and your options are endless. That gives people a lot more flexibility and makes it feel a lot easier, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and like you mentioned, you just have to make small substitutions to what you eat. And I was, again, talking about this in the presentation that I'm putting together. It's like, let's say you have a breakfast, a typical American breakfast. Let's say two scrambled eggs, some pancakes with some syrup, and a glass of orange juice, right? Pretty typical breakfast. It's probably six, 700 calories maybe, Right. And now the goal for that breakfast, let's talk about some substitutions you can make there. Like this is actionable, right? What are some substitutions here that you can make that would help with feeling fuller and maybe not even eating less calories at breakfast, but the fact that you feel fuller means that you'll probably eat less throughout the day. Well, I know those pancakes are super tasty, but maybe you could substitute those for some like whole wheat toast, right? Or protein pancakes. Yeah. Or protein pancakes, right? Kodiak pancakes Uh, are like 200 calories, 20 grams, like 18 grams of protein. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great, that's a great alternative, right? Maybe adding protein powder to your protein mix or buying a protein pancake mix, and that's going to be really beneficial. The orange juice, I always highly recommend people just have the fruits, even if it's the same amount, it's just going to help you feel fuller, right? So instead of having eggs, buttermilk, pancakes, syrup, and orange juice, maybe you have two eggs protein pancakes or some whole wheat toast if you have the protein pancakes you can use sugar free syrup which saves you like 150 200 a calories a lot of calories like yeah and you don't have the juice you have a piece of fruit right and if you're really craving something sweet in terms of a beverage there's nothing wrong with using things that are artificially sweetened right and and we can th- we've talked about this before are there some potential risks sure but those risks with using artificial sweeteners are so 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 minimal compared to the risks of being overweight in terms of chronic disease prevention, right? So it's like, pick your poison technically, although the artificial sweetener, I wouldn't even consider poison because the amount you're going to have relative to the amount that's been shown to be detrimental to your health is drastically different. You're not going to have that much, right? Even if you're having two or three drinks a day that are artificially sweetened, it's not that much at all. And it's not something to worry about whatsoever. So I do think those things can be used strategically to reduce the amount of sugar you consume from beverages. So- Question for you, Adrian, because I know you're a big fan of smoothies, right? And I think one of the issues that people have with breakfast is time, right? So what are some like super simple things that people can do to have a breakfast ready in like five or 10 minutes?
0: Overnight oats, I like too. And I kind of treat that as similar to a smoothie. Like the oats are like the base and then you can add whatever you want to it. So that's the one thing that's why I like overdiadosis because like you can put, you can add fiber, you can add protein, you can add fruit to it. You can add whatever you want to increase the nutritional value and kind of make it more balanced for your needs. Smoothies, just like you mentioned, I have a smoothie pretty much every day. Have for like
1: 13 years now. It's been
0: a long time
1: since I've been drinking smoothies every day. And what's a super simple template for like a nice high fiber, high protein smoothie?
0: Yeah, so I always start with a base of fruit. And so I stick with berries. Berries are gonna be like a lower glycemic fruit. They're not gonna increase blood sugar as much as and they're gonna be higher in fiber. So I'm a, and berries have numerous health benefits that have yeah. been demonstrated in various studies. So I start with a base of fruit and I do water. You know, most people like to do like an almond milk or something like that to make it a little bit more creamy. I don't really care. It doesn't make any difference for me you're it. an
1: animal dude <laughs>
0: well because i put protein powder in it I know, so I know. the protein powder gives it the flavor yes but i don't know i would never really noticed that much of a difference and to me for me buying like almond milk or whatever just to put in my and i'll yeah. put regular milk sometimes but then it's, it feels too heavy for me when i put like regular milk and protein powder yeah so i do like a scoop of protein powder i add some peanut butter for a little bit of extra fat to make it more satiating and then also a little bit of fiber and then I add a fiber source Uh, because the biggest mistakes that people make with smoothies and pretty much every smoothie shop I've ever been to does this is like it's almost all fruit there's almost no fiber there's almost no fat there's almost no protein and it's just a big sugar bomb so you go in and although it's you know coming from fruit most of the time there's nothing to help balance out and make that into A meal. So it ends up being like drinking, you know, juice with a little bit of fiber, but you're drinking basically a big glass of fruit juice essentially with a little bit of fiber in it. And so, you know, you want to, if you're making a smoothie, you want to add fiber, you want to add some protein, and you want to add some fat to it to help make it more satiating and make it more into a meal. Because if you're going to be replacing a meal, make it into a meal. And that's one of the things that a lot of people mess up. I can't tell you how many people I've worked with that have been like, but I don't really like smoothies. I had them before and they weren't filling or blah, blah, blah. And it's because they're having like 250 calorie smoothies and, yeah. and expecting that to replace a meal. My smoothie is like 800 calories. Like I have yeah. a massive smoothie after my workout every day. And, you know, I'm putting two and a half cups of berries and scooping and half of protein powder and a whole bunch of other stuff in there to make it filling. So if you're trying to use it as a meal replacement don't be afraid to actually put some calories in there for it to replace a meal. So yeah, berries, like I said, berries, water or almond milk, some type of protein powder, in my opinion, vanilla tastes best with like berries, a little bit of peanut butter to give it some nutty flavor and because peanut butter is delicious. And I always add like flax seeds because flax seeds have numerous health benefits in terms of reducing blood pressure, improving glucose control, reducing cholesterol. So I'm a big fan of flax seeds. And I put those into pretty much all my smoothies, same thing. So when I do it, Overnight oats, I basically do the same thing, but the base is oats. And so I just mix some oats. I'll put in frozen berries with oats and I'll cook that a little bit to where the berries will like soften and flavor the oats. Because oats don't have much flavor, of course. But if you melt some frozen berries into it or you like cook them into it, it'll like kind of make that fruit juice go into the oats and flavor it a little bit. And then I'll add the protein powder, flaxseed, Peanut butter powder or anything else I want to add to kind of give it additional flavor. Sometimes I'll put nuts on top, things like that. But that, those are two of my, I mean, probably for the last 15 years of my life, this has been like my yeah. main breakfast for the last 15 years. Cause like you said, I just don't want, I don't like spending a lot of, like I love breakfast and I love cooking, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that every single day. And so for me, that's my go to. And yeah. on the weekends, if I want to make a big breakfast, I will. But those are the two things that you know, if I'm, running out the door on a regular basis. Like I will either have overnight oats ready and available or smoothie takes five minutes. And the beautiful thing about a smoothie is if you have kids, they will probably have some, Uh, like you can probably get your kids eating it. My, my son has, he would have two smoothies a day. If I, he'd probably have three, if I let him Um, like, and so I, you know, I make him one with like just berries and Greek yogurt and a little bit of like grape juice. And, it's tasty, it's quick, you're getting a lot of nutrition. And if you add some protein and fiber, you know, it can really turn into a filling meal. So I'm a big fan of smoothies for sure.
1: Yeah, I usually Yeah, because breakfast is like people like don't have time, they have to get out of the door. And I usually have one of two breakfasts. And they're both super simple. And they take under 10 minutes. One is a smoothie, really similar to what you're talking about. And people. Quick thing here, like, oh, frozen fruit. Like, is that bad? No, it's actually better from a nutritional standpoint. We won't get into that, but frozen produce is great. But frozen berries, protein, whatever type of liquid of choice, right? Whatever you like. If you want to go low calorie water and then a fat source and you're, that is perfect. Well-balanced breakfast, right? My other breakfast, which also takes me under 10 minutes is I scramble some eggs and I have a bowl of fruit and the serving of Greek yogurt for a little bit more protein. That's my usual go-to breakfast. I'll probably have that four or five days out of the week and a smoothie maybe like once or twice out of the week. And both of those take under 10 minutes. Not having time is not a reason to not have breakfast, right? And if you're really pressed for time, you can even like prep the smoothies beforehand and you can just pop them in the fridge or pop them in the freezer, however you want. Just buy a nice blender and you'll be good, right? So again, it's preparing for success. You can, if you don't have a blender, go out and buy a blender, right? And (laughs) If I don't know, I was going to say a joke, but never mind. <laughs> but really, it doesn't have to be complicated at all, right? And you can prepare breakfast really, really quickly. And I'm again, I'm a huge believer of breakfast because of what all the data show in terms of people who who consume breakfast tend to have better body composition outcomes. And then people talk about like, oh, fasting this and that. The people that fast and have success with it are people in the fitness industry that are hyper focused on all this stuff. The general population. Fasting is just not a good idea in my opinion. And if you are going to intermittently fast because of whatever reason, whatever personal reason, I do think it's probably better to have your eating window earlier in the day and then cut off eating earlier in the day because people tend to have the biggest issues with snacking at night. Right, So cut off your eating window 5, 6 p.m. Again, I'm not a huge fan of fasting, but I know some people like it. Dude, we've been talking for a while. Let's go ahead and wrap this up and summarize everything really quick. And then if you have any other quick little tips that you think people should focus on, we'll talk about those and then we'll close this up, man. I think this has been a really useful episode, very actionable, which is exactly what I wanted, right? I think people could pretty much like list off the things we've been talking about and start implementing one at a time. From a complete beginner standpoint, I agree with you. I think it's probably really important to start implementing some sort of physical activity. Because when you move, you feel good. When you feel good, you want to start doing other healthy habits. So it just like creates a positive environment for healthy change, right? And again, start simple. If you don't even focus on your steps, just set a step goal or set a a certain amount of time that you're going to walk and measure it. Make sure it's visible. Maybe you put a sheet on your fridge where you mark off whether you did it or not, right? If you make it visible, it's much more likely to stick. And then slowly over time increase it, maybe a week or two of walking 20 minutes per day, you feel good. So then maybe you start like intermittently jogging, you know, maybe at first those 20 minutes, you're jogging two minutes, but by the time you're done, you're jogging 20 minutes, maybe six, eight weeks down the road and slowly try to increase your physical activity. If I'm going to give some objective goals here, if you can start small and get to the point where you're walking eight to 10,000 steps per day, maybe you're doing some resistance training two or three times a week. And let's say you're maybe doing 30 or 40 minutes of intentional cardio per week. That amount of exercise is gold for health. And you don't have to get there overnight. Let's say it takes you six months, nine months, a year to get there. That's fine. But develop a stepwise plan from where you are now and what you're going to implement on a weekly basis or a monthly basis to get there, right? So plan ahead of time, make it visible, set small actionable steps and improve on them over time. And again, if you get to the point where I just mentioned in terms of physical activity, you'll be gold on a nutrition side of things. It's actually pretty damn simple. Have a regular meal schedule, have regular sized meals, have protein and veggies at each of your meals. And I think you should probably prioritize breakfast and aside. That's really it. Like That's pretty much. Everything. I mean, incorporate some healthy snacks because most yeah, people are going to yeah, have yeah, like, yeah,
0: yeah. going to want to snack either like after lunch or after dinner and figuring out a few healthier snacks, even treats, things like uh, you know, low calorie ice creams and things like that, just working those things in. And yeah, it really yeah. is that
1: simple. And the last thing is like, if you can get the majority of your food sources from whole foods, it's going to be better. And that doesn't mean, and now again, don't have dichotomous thinking. It's not all or nothing. If like 80% of your diet is coming from whole foods and like 20% is coming from processed foods, I think that's fine. I think at the end that day, you have to find balance with your own schedule, But me personally, I work out really hard. I walk a lot. Maybe every two days I have one meal that is like, quote unquote, really bad, like a whole pizza or something like that. And not from like, here's the thing, right? If I'm going to eat pizza, I'm not going to order a whole Papa John's pizza. I'll go to the supermarket and get like a thin crust pizza. That's maybe seven or 800 calories for the whole thing rather than 2000 calories. Right. So I still have these foods and you can make small modifications, but there's a lot of wiggle room for you to enjoy the foods that you like as long as you have this overall lifestyle in check, right? Dude, what what are some other things you think there's anything else that people should really be focusing on?
0: I just want to add to that last point because I know that a lot of people struggle with this and probably not so much the people that are listening to this show because they've been following you for a while and kind of understand nutrition from that perspective. But a lot of people truly think that if you have a pizza here, it's going to have some long-term damaging effect on your health. Yeah. And the reality is that when it comes to nutrition, if your nutrient needs are being met and your energy needs are being met. And this is the most important, like this is one of the most important things when it comes to nutrition. A lot of people don't like to talk about it, but not overeating is one of the most important things. Like when it comes to the health implications of nutrition, overeating is the most damaging thing, thing uh, yeah. when it comes to the health implications of nutrition, not the foods that you not the quality, it's the quantity. And so if you're eating the right amount of energy and your nutrient needs are being met, so like if you're eating all, processed foods, you're not getting enough fiber. You're not going to be getting enough vitamin C and vitamin A and all the other important nutrients. But if most of your diet is unprocessed foods to where your energy needs are being met, your nutrient needs are being met, there's no demonstrated negative effect of having some Cheetos or having some pizza. And too many people get stuck in this thought process of, like you said, the dichotomy of thinking those foods are quote-unquote bad yeah and the reality is at the end of the day you're just gonna you're going to set yourself up for failure if you yes. approach it with that type of dichotomy i yeah. did when i was younger in my 20s there was definitely i was always striving for this quote-unquote perfect diet whatever that was at the very at the time based on my level of understanding so i was like there were there were definitely points of time where i didn't touch processed food and I'm healthier now, like 10 yeah, years yeah. later, I'm healthier now than I was during that point, because during that point, I was so restrictive with my nutrition that it was negatively affecting my mental health. And it wasn't even this this like I wasn't super, super crazy about it, but it was like I would be kind of nervous when I would yes. have to go to a friend's house and eat yes. and they didn't have the foods that I normally eat.
1: You feel and- awkward. You can't enjoy moments fully. You can't go to a birthday and just like eat some cake without thinking about it. I feel like a lot of people fit in that category where it's like not a full-blown eating disorder, but it definitely negatively impacts your mental health to an extent, right? And it definitely negatively impacts your overall enjoyment of life because you think that this little piece of cake is going to have some detrimental effect on your health and it's not. I really want to highlight what you said, food quantity the amount you eat in terms of calories is more important than food quality. However, food quality influences food quantity. That's really the summary of it. And people don't get that, right? And again, if anybody ever tells you this food is bad, you cannot evaluate the effects of a particular food without contextualizing it in the context of your entire diet, right? Because stuff that just doesn't work like independently. It's like everything's going into your body and everything's working synergistically. So if you're getting the majority of your diet from whole and processed foods and everything we've been talking about, you're gonna be in a perfectly fine place. Adrian, thank you so much for being on, dude. Do you wanna tell everybody where they can find you?
0: Yeah, I also have a podcast called the Nutrition Science Podcast. I definitely recommend checking that out. Very original
1: name, by the way, just like mine. (laughs) Yeah,
0: so uh, we covered a few topics that I think you guys would enjoy getting into more detail about that I've discussed, like fasting, artificial sweeteners. I have a whole episode covering the data on that. Where I get into a lot more of the nuance that, you know, it's just not enough to discuss in, you know, these podcasts. So I have a full 30 minutes dedicated to overview of the science on various topics like that. So I highly recommend going and checking that out. And then also my Instagram, it's at, and I'm sure you'll link it in the show notes, but at dr period Adrian period Chavez. And you can find me there. I post pretty regularly there, do Q&As, you know, about every week or so. And all of the links to programs, courses, other things that I have going on can be found there.
1: Yeah. And what if somebody wants to work with you or purchase your courses, where can they find those?
0: Yeah. So just just use a link from my Instagram. It's just easier that way. On your bio. Another thing, and you'll be able to find that through the link on my Instagram, but I have a smoothie guide that goes into a lot more detail than what we talked about, but that's also... Instead of giving a whole bunch of links, just go to my Instagram, find that main link, and you'll be able to find all of the important links from there.
1: Yeah. And I've been thinking about this since you've been talking. I think we should hint at something. Guys, if you enjoyed everything we've talked about today and you really want to improve your overall health, work on healthy habits, have a very sustainable approach. Adrian and I are working on a very exciting project. That's what I'm going to leave it at. (laughs) You'll definitely hear more about it in the next coming months if you follow us on social media. But we have something really exciting coming for all of you guys. Anyways, as always, thank you all for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I'll catch you guys next time. Peace.